Welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast, everybody. We are three Canadians and one American, all of us psychotherapists serving you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Brooke Lewis from Vancouver, Canada. And Chris Boyd, also for Vancouver, Canada. And finally, I am Joanna Boyd from Vancouver, Canada, and younger sister to Chris. That is right. Mm-hmm. That is right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the middle of October. I can see that the leaves are changing in Vancouver, Chris. Anyone, <laughs> anyone watching on YouTube will see that Chris has a nice backdrop of changing leaves. It's very, it's lovely. Changes are coming slowly. They are. Yeah, it's a late foliage season up here. Mm. Mm. Well, here today it was 100 degrees. So we're not even into the whole fall thing yet. Wow. Fall for us is a week that happens sometime in the middle of November. And then then we just kind of start up summer again. Yeah, it lasts (laughs) for 30, 36 hours and it's... Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So it was uh, about 53 degrees up here today. Oh, wow. That was our high. Mm -hmm. 53. So that's that's sweaters, that's jackets, that's Mm -hmm. uh, wool socks. Tukes. Lots of tukes. Okay. Well, my goodness. Yeah. I gotta say, yeah, I've really appreciated learning more about Canadian culture from you guys. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, by the way. Oh, yeah. It was Turkey Day. Yeah. Yeah, it was lovely. We actually had a listener reach out and um, compliment Joanna on her turkey call. So maybe, just maybe, we should do it again. What do you think, Joe? Uh, <laughs> well done. I'll, I'll avoid the high pitch. Oh, that was the best part, though. No. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving was great. Um, we had a uh, an outside gathering under my sister's uh, other sister's patio. It was a little windy and cold. It was like the day autumn hit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone was in their little bubbles and different tables. It worked out really well. Um, I'm wondering if the cuisine that's served is any different than what we do. Um, so we got your turkey, you got your stuffing, some mashed potatoes, some gravy, maybe some cranberries or cranberry sauce, um, varieties of green beans and things like that. You guys have the same stuff or you mix it up? Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Just the variety of side vegetables, maybe corn, carrots, or uh-huh. broccoli of some kind. Brussels sprouts mm-hmm. or Brussels sprouts, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And then yams for myself and Joanna is a yam fan too. Or sweet potatoes. You guys call them sweet potatoes. We call them yams. Okay. Yeah. All right. Some people will have the yam casseroles or just, we just had Brooke made some roast yams. So it's good. Yeah. Wow. It sounds wonderful. I wish <laughs> I could join you for that. Ours is more than a month away. I'm already hungry for it. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. wild. 
We also, my mom coordinated a little game where we got to create something with Play-Doh. And uh, so Joanna ended up creating my head, actually. Um, some sporadic chin hairs and very round. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually pretty dead on. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was really well done. Yeah. It was pretty well done, yeah. Um, I made a, uh, what a pumpkin pie. which A galette. A galette, yeah. It didn't look very good after seeing uh, what I think uh, Joanne's boyfriend, Jesse, created a hug, like a little guy, his hands out, a little heart. Oh, nice. I think he yeah. won the, uh, the Thanksgiving Play-Doh uh, art contest. But hmm. All right. So it was, a, it was a bit of a competition there, just kind of seeing who can create the most uh, creative Play-Doh feature. That's good. I think it's something yeah, to do with Thanksgiving. Cute. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, that's wonderful. Way to go, guys. You weren't allowed to make a pumpkin. That was the rule. Nobody was allowed to make a pumpkin, but it had to be Thanksgiving related. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Again, wish I could have been there. Sounds like a blast. Wish you could have been here too. Was it, wait, was it Sunday or Monday? The holidays on Monday. But we okay. tend to all have dinners on Sunday. Oh, okay. And then just take Monday off? Is, it, like is a it a mix. holiday holiday? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Well, great. And I guess uh, I guess if there's nothing else going on. Maybe we can get into our topic. We've got kind of an interesting one here today. Let's do it. Okay. This is the ambush <laughs> where three of us don't know what the topic is and one of us do. And today, that one of us is me. I know what the topic is. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, exactly. Okay, let's see. I think this might be interesting. This is actually not a topic topic. Not a topic that uh, I came up with. This was something that was suggested to me from someone. Um, someone gave me, sent me a text message with this. Was it Joanna? It was not Joanna, but... Uh, Let's see where this goes. Okay, I'm just going to read it out. There are a few parts to it. I'll read it out all, all at once at first. Okay, you ready? Drum roll. Turkey gobble. All right. Here we go. My friends often tell me I am being too sensitive, but I don't know what I can do about that. I feel what I feel. Wouldn't denying my feelings be fake or cause me to become callous? How much sensitivity is a problem? And how can I find a sweet spot between sensitive and callous? Nice. Okay. Yeah. This is like a Dear Abby situation. A little bit. It, it does seem a little Dear Abby, yeah. but that's great. I love everyone. No, Please this is, send us, send us your questions. Info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Yeah, this is fantastic. I think it's great stuff. Love having this. I think story. it's our best ambush yet. My goodness. Well, we haven't started to answer it yet, so that will be... Oh. Real test. Let's see if we actually have an answer for this this person, okay? So, my friends often tell me I'm being too sensitive, but I don't know what I can do about it. I feel what I feel. So, wouldn't denying my feelings be fake or cause me to become callous? So, I guess we have to, like we usually do, we kind of have to define our terms a little bit here. So, what's what do you think we're talking about when we're talking about sensitivity in this fashion? Sounds like she's having reactions to situations or things that other people are saying or doing. 
Um, but there's so many questions because I'm, I'm wanting context in terms of what they're saying she's being overly sensitive mm-hmm. to. Because is it jokes or you're being too sensitive? Is it uh, certain, yeah, things about her? Or yeah, there's so many more questions and wonders. I, I, I can imagine a few of these answers, but I don't have all the specifics. But, uh, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's about just having a big emotional reaction to things. Like, oh, you're, you know, uh, something happens to, you know, something happens to a, a sports team or, or a character on TV and crying over that, right? Like, oh, that's, you're so sensitive. Yeah. Or someone making a, a small uh, observation that is perceived maybe as a criticism. Like, oh, gosh, you're so sensitive, right? Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I think you have, you know, that uh, I, I like your hat. I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't have cut your hair. There's something, there's the sensitivity that comes along with just everyday interactions and someone having an emotional reaction to that that other people perceive as being a little too much or a little, mm. a little extra. So, so it could be a range of different emotions then, eh? Like uh, happiness and excitement and or sadness or shock or anger. Like it could be kind of a roller coaster or different feelings and emotions in those moments, depending on the situation. Could be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or shame yeah. or insecurities. Yeah, because I'm also hearing it in different ways. Same with you guys. I'm hearing, like, is it that the emotions are kind of right at the surface? where in the moment like there's nothing much behind it it's just a pure emotion in the moment and it's felt really strongly versus is it um like an emotional reaction to something where then there's history behind that so if you're looking at criticism or shame embarrassment guilt um, betrayal perhaps something like that abandonment there might be previous life experiences that are making that emotional expression more intensified um, Mm -hmm. versus, oh, I saw a sentimental commercial and I teared up. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. People are going to tear up at sentimental commercials once in a while. Some people, some people more than others, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I see what you're saying there, Brooke, because a term I, or the phrase I often say in therapy is, if your emotional reaction doesn't fit the situation, it might be feeling memories or body memories or something more to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, stemming from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seems a little different from someone who maybe lives life very vividly and and um, maybe a little more emotionally sensitive or reactive in other situations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, a lot of reasons why we feel the way that we do and and of course, there's a biological component, but it's also a genetic component and experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot that kind of goes into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's also, a, go ahead. I was just going to say that's that's an important point, Chris. That that certainly there's it's nature and nurture, right? There are there are infants who are you can tell that they're more sensitive uh, in their first week of life. They're just more more reactive to touch to light to heat to warm you know to all of everything their senses are actually more um reactive to things uh than others and so you could say yeah there's a biological component there but then also our life experience sure the experience that you have uh, a trauma that you experienced or um 
or a belief that you have or different uh, things that were modeled for you could all also go into this uh, sensitivity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, very curious then, as, as Brooke mentioned, um, what kind of emotions are showing up, right? Because if mm -hmm. there's aggression or taking things very personally or then, um, yeah, maybe there's something there that needs to be sorted out and explored. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, if it's maybe when you re watch a movie, like I have a friend, she uh, apparently watched a, a Eurovision of all movies, and she and she there's a couple moments where she welled up and cried a bit, right? Um, I, I think she also movie. is obviously <laughs> she there's also moments where she's super happy, and sometimes she experiences things very vividly, right? Which I think is fantastic, right? But does that make you sensitive, right? So um, I'm just going to define real quick primary emotion. So when we talk about emotion, there's actually primary emotion and secondary emotion. So primary emotion is our visceral sense, is our physical sense of the emotion. Every emotion that we have is paired with physical sensation. So in our body, if we feel, let's say, anxious our heart races our blood changes our breathing changes we might feel things in our stomach or tension so there is a visceral physical sense to the emotion and every single emotion has that so primary emotion is actually the physical felt sense of it and let me just add to that that it can differ from person to person right your experience of, of anxiety mm -hmm. could be very different from mine different from yeah. joe's that sort of thing right yeah. yeah so the the symptoms that or the signals that i just gave can be similar across people. I feel like sometimes those can be common ones, but they can be different, absolutely, yeah. Um, secondary emotion is the name we put to those sensations. So it's the language we put to them. So in our brain, the right side of our brain is where our emotion system is, and it's connected uh, to another part of our brain which runs right down into our body, and so that system operates, but it's nonverbal. So primary emotion is actually nonverbal. Secondary emotion is when we put a name to it and try and make sense of it, mm -hmm. put a meaning behind it, right? So when we're talking about emotional sensitivity, are we talking that, I, I would assume that we're talking that the person's physical sense is stronger. Mm. Their felt sense of an emotion is more intensified or stronger or uh, yeah, maybe harder to contain. Yes, I think that's that's a bit of what this person's talking about, and and I, I think this kind of overlaps into other areas that maybe other other podcasts in the future, like resilience and uh, you know someone becoming uh, better able to to contain that. I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute here, but um, yes, the sensitivity. I also want to point out the fact that sensitivity oftentimes is used as kind of a as a as a negative from people, um, like, oh, you're so sensitive. Talk, yeah. Oh, you want to say something about it, Joe? No, I, I just think that you're spot on. I was thinking the same thing. I think a lot of people, it is used more negatively and people are made to feel bad for being sensitive or having a response that someone might seem, might see as, um, maybe not called for or overly emotional for the situation. Um, especially for dudes, for, for guys, right? Um, it's a social cu cultural component where guys are not supposed to show emotions and feelings. It's supposed to be tough, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to add to that as well that there's 
just to complicate things a little bit further, <laughs> there's the, the sensitivity of being sensitive to others' emotions and then the sensitivity to your own, right? And as I talk with clients sometimes about sensitivity, I mention the fact that as a, as a psychologist, it's actually really important that I'm sensitive, right? I, I need to have that. I need to, to hone that and use my sensitivity to other people's emotions to be able to read things and, and perceive and have empathy. It's a really important part of my job, really. If I were completely insensitive, then I, I don't think I'd be able to connect with people as well. And as well, I need to be able to, to read my own emotions and be sensitive to that as well. Because that's some of what I use in my practice working with people is, is oh, what does this make me feel? You know, how, how would I feel in this situation? Or, oh, you're telling a story and I'm, I'm feeling upset about this and you seem to be fine. What's that, what's that difference about? So sensitivity is actually a very constructive and useful uh, thing when it's, when it's in the right context. I think this this person who who wrote in is is saying, well, it seems like other people are telling me I shouldn't be this sensitive, and uh, and then the, the person the question is asking like, you know, is it just an on off switch? Like, if I if I wasn't so sensitive, would I then be callous? Which would be this other end of a spectrum there of kind of heartless and not being able to to feel yeah. anything. You know, it's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Because you want to be authentic and genuine and you want to embrace that vulnerability sometimes and show them that sensitivity. And I think that can make you relatable. And, and I think there's a lot of research to back that. But, um, you know, I actually heard this from a client this week about sometimes he gets emotional when he's talking about certain things. And sometimes people listening get a little reactive to it, right? And, uh, and we had to explore the uh, situation where, you know, it seemed like it was more about the other person than it was about him. I think the other person was very uncomfortable with feelings and emotions and he reacted and tried to make fun of it or, or point it out. Right. So the other side of this is, you know, um, it's other people's perception of the sensitivity, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And their own comfortability with yeah, it. And their comfort with it, which is a whole nother element to this as well. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. And that's, that's, could be someone's, could be their judgment, right? Like uh, maybe they, they don't feel so comfortable with emotion. And so, um, you know, you expressing emotion, like, like you're talking about your friend, Chris, you know, someone crying during a movie, um, you know, some people might be like, Oh, that's, that makes me, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't like, I don't like being around you when you're crying like this, cause that t- taps into my own sadness or something yeah. that I can't express, you know? Or look over and say, you're crying? What's wrong with you? Like they may, you know, shame there might it. be some, yeah, I may shame it uh, potentially. So there's a whole other side to it because I'm, I'm curious. Like I think there's a spectrum of sensitivity here. And, um, you know, what popped into my mind is, well, how is it impacting your life? Like if it's impacting your ability to connect with friends, then we can explore that. But is it the right friends, uh, you know? where maybe they're not comfortable with emotions and feelings. So that kind of comes into it as well. Definitely. So, so let's, is, is it possible to uh, manage or even change your level of sensitivity? Do you think? Um, Actually, we can ask also, is it advisable? Like, is that even something worth, worth trying to do? But if it is, um, do you think that's something that, uh, is possible for us to do? And if so, how? 
I think it's possible for sure. I think just the, I would check in about like for this person who wrote in, like, do they feel like they're, you know, too sensitive or how, like Chris said, how is it impacting their life or how do they view it? Um, because that's important too. Is it what, you know, take in what other people are saying, have conversations about it, maybe explore it yourself. And if you feel like you're being impacted in a way that you want to shift things for yourself, okay, then yeah, I think it is possible to make those changes. Um, in short answer, a yes. And I, I guess I'm curious as to, I think it might be a yes from other people as well. And yeah. maybe we can explore the how, but. Yeah. And then I came up earlier too. I'm curious about, is there something else going on there? Like if mm-hmm. the reaction does not fit the situation, is there something happened that in the past that may be mean that may need to be explored and processed, right? right. Um, for instance, like when you experience trauma or very challenging situations, it can often manifest itself or show up later on in a range of different feelings and emotions. So be kind of curious about that a little bit. Um, so, you know, does your mind gravitate towards situations or um, you know, there's definitely ways to explore that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, from a, from a therapeutic perspective. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, I kind of, I agree that we have to take a look at what the driving force is behind it. If it's um, some work needs to be done there, or if it's just genuinely that this person has a rich and vivid emotional system um, and do they really want to change that? Like there's ways to regulate. There's always emotional regulation skills, ways to figure that out, how to manage the emotion when it comes up. Um, do you need to, I guess that's a, a question for the client though, right? Like yeah. why are you, are you changing that because you want to make other people more uncomfortable so that people stop commenting on the sensitivity um, or maybe is there a way to embrace the fact that you have a really rich and vivid emotional system? You're, you're going to be very colorful. You're going to be really vibrant and maybe that's a good thing. I agree in, in context, right? And I, I don't know all the context of this question, but I, if I were having brain surgery, I wouldn't want to have a highly emotionally sensitive brain surgeon. I, you know, who's saying what you handed me the wrong instrument. How dare you? You must hate me. You know, something like that. I don't, I want them to be sensitive to the work. I want them to be sensitive to what they're actually sensing and perceiving, but emotionally reactive at that point, I don't think I would want. I would want someone who's definitely more more contained and calm, right? Yeah. I think well, I heard a while ago that. Yeah. yeah. What's that? Oh, I was going to say that, but that's just the difference, right? Is it the sensitivity versus the reaction? Like Yes. Or the appropriateness uh, of the situation. Like, that's yeah, obviously going to you know, be troublesome. Mm-hmm. in the middle of surgery and you're going to be like, Oh, this is something that's not okay. Versus that emotion coming out. Yeah. That you know, would be a so, bit of a red flag. Yeah. So if, if you're being emotionally reactive to a situation, what is that about versus uh, maybe you're in a place of beauty and it really takes you over and you have a beauty tear that's being emotionally sensitive. Mm-hmm. Beauty tears are great, right? Like just, or whatever that might look like where you're just kind of overwhelmed by that emotion, but it's very like pure and genuine in the moment and you just feel it deeply and richly. And that's, that can be lovely given the situation versus being emotionally reactive where there's a, like something's happened and you're reacting to it versus something is going on and you're observing it within yourself, I think are different. 
Yeah. You know, I, I experience a beauty tear every time I see that there's a new episode of the Mental Health Bootcamp podcast <laughs> being downloaded to my iTunes, my Apple podcasts. And it's, I just, that tear comes down and I'm like, oh, what a thing of beauty. <laughs> I jest. That's great. I joke. But that's an excellent point. Um, you're right, Brooke. Yes, you want to be sensitive and receptive to those things that are happening in those moments. That's that's kind of the spice of life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brooke mentioned the emotional regulation skills. So I had another client who um, there'd be a, sometimes in meetings, um, she would have a bit of an emotional reaction to whatever the topic area was was about, and and it would frustrate her that some, you know if there was a, a very moving story about something within the context of her work, she would sometimes get emotional and cry. She didn't want to be perceived a certain way. It was impacting. Uh, she felt it might be impacting her ability to do her job. Sure. So, um, yeah, we talked about emotional regulation skills, but also encouraged her to do some writing, you know, about uh, the way that she was feeling and and um, developing a bit of a game plan in those moments when she felt that wave of, of emotion coming, then try to calm the body and shift the mind in that moment. So that helped her out. Um, we didn't want to decrease it too much because – Again, I felt that was so important for her to have that rich spectrum of emotion. And uh, sometimes when you try to numb one emotion, it numbs other ones too, right? Yes. I've often, I've, that's, that's the way I describe it to a lot of clients that it's hard for us to shut down a single emotion, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to feel all the joy and I'll feel some sadness, but I'm not going to feel fear or anger. It's usually you just dampen them all, yeah, and uh, and you know your 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 range is much more limited at that point, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. It's also like what I I don't know a lot about it. I know there's a book out there. I think the highly sensitive person, mm-hmm. or you know, mm-hmm. and that's for those, and that I think sheds light on the whole, you know just more for that. So people who might be like, I just feel overly sensitive or that, you know, that could be worth exploring too, because yeah, we don't want it to be a negative thing. I think there's normalizing it and, and finding the strengths in it and seeing it as a strength really in so many ways. Um, if clients talk about sensitivity. I always try to talk about the benefits of that and how they can use that, um, you know, uh, to their, yeah, I think it's wonderful, but it's, yeah, if it's, if it's causing detriment, then of course there's work to be done, but. For sure. But I, I like that though. You can harness it, right? You can focus it yeah. in so many different areas. It's a superpower. Yeah, yeah. Like, and maybe it's totally. the birds of the feather situation, maybe aligning yourself with other people that are maybe similar to you. But I agree. Uh, if you want to be a surgeon, maybe it's not the best trait to have at work. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of surgeons actually, there's a reason why they do what they do and don't, develop too many connections with their patients for that reason, right? They want to depersonalize sure. their patients a little bit just so they're a little more mechanical in terms of what they're doing. But maybe a teacher or a therapist or there's so many different uh, fantastic, like if you have good interpersonal skills and again, you come across as authentic and genuine with a good range of emotion, then pe- people, they like that, right? They do. But, but I can see the distress in it sometimes. And I, I, I'm thinking of a client I once had many years ago and, by the way, whenever we talk about clients, the identifying information is always distorted and yeah. we're never, never really giving mm-hmm. you anything about uh, any real information about clients. But, but a client 
a facsimile of a client that I had many years ago who uh, uh, was in a, a business setting, not a therapy setting or, or healthcare setting or anything like that, but in a business setting and they were doing like these coaching sessions and, and these weekly kind of coaching meetings and they were, the person was being asked to kind of tell a personal story, you know, tell, talk, talk about your own personal story. And the thing that he found most disturbing was whenever he would talk about himself, he would start to cry. There was a lot of, there was a lot of emotion there. Just, just the, and uh, if you'd get uh, you know, positive feedback from people, he would cry. And he felt like, I, I can't, I, I feel like I have to leave these meetings because it seems so unprofessional for me to be crying in these meetings, but I just tapping into something that's really sensitive to me. It just doesn't, he rarely talked about himself. That was the, re the reason why he came to therapy was he needed to, he wanted to work through this. Cause like, why is it that I always cry when I talk about myself? So, so this was a, an area where um, certainly there's something kind of nice about that, but I think it was also a signal that there was some kind of unfinished business going on underneath the surface that, uh, that we needed to address. And it was just not helpful for him to be in a, in a business meeting and the only person crying when he's talking about his own story. I completely agree. Yeah. So it really, I feel like the, that whole difference of, is there something underneath this or what's going on? Um, really, I work a lot with emotional sensitivity or emotional dysregulation, people with very rich, vivid emotional systems that are just rich and vivid and some that have stuff behind them. Yeah. But it really actually hit home uh, when I started working more with concussion clients. After clients have had a concussion, they're just genuinely or the majority of the ones that I have worked with are just just very genuinely more emotionally sensitive the emotion is like right on the surface and it's just going to be quick whatever it is if it's anger if it's fear if it's happiness uh, if it's sadness tearfulness and it moves fast um, and so I feel like that was really invaluable for me is to start working in that population but it was, yeah, it was just very, very interesting. Hmm. Hmm. <clears throat> did, that, did, that, did that change as, they, as their concussion started to heal and, and all of that? Or were they kind of stuck in that? Um, it lightened for a lot of them, but they're still like much more sensitive than they were prior to the concussions. Hmm much more and and like even so just through storytelling of what they've been through through the week they'll start tearing up uh but they'll move through that quickly it, yeah it's just very right at the surface so normalizing mm. that that might be part of their life now for these clients mm. uh, there was a film in the 90s uh featuring harrison ford right indiana jones han solo it was called regarding henry and this is a film about a guy who was a high-powered, driven, kind of narcissistic attorney, I believe he was, who was, got shot, like shot in the head, some sort of altercation. I don't remember all the details. Got shot in the head and had this complete personality transformation, became just this kind of soft, warm person who, um, you know, he, I don't, even, I don't even recall if he remembered who he was before, but he was just this, this major transformation in his life, which is... Kind of funny, interesting to uh, to point that out, and that that history goes way back to uh, to someone that everyone learns in Psych 101, uh, Phineas Gage. Phineas, yeah, yeah. Phineas Gage, who had a 
a, a pole that went, a dynamite blast shot a big, like a six foot pole through his skull and took out part of his brain. It had this major transformation in his personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, point being incredible. that the brain, yeah, the brain is, is incredible. The brain's incredible. So then at what point, so I guess kind of going back to the question that you had asked, uh, like when it comes to the sensitivity for these clients, let's say a concussion client, uh, we're probably going to work on emotional regulation opposed to demonizing the emotion. We're not going to like, if you're going to have an emotion, that's fine. If it's going to be rich and vivid, that's fine. Let's learn how to regulate the emotion, how to be aware of it, how to accept it how to bring it back down so you can be regrounded in the moment. You experiencing the emotion isn't a negative thing. We just want to make sure you know what to do with it so it doesn't get in the way of the activity that you're doing, whether it's work or connection or whatnot. Just to make it practical, Brooke, what would you do to help someone regulate an emotion? What might you? There's, there's like so many different things to help regulate emotions, right? Just give so me one. I, give me a couple. That's really challenging. Like, starting with awareness of it. So trying to be in the moment, um, becoming aware, am I even having an emotion? Like noticing what those red flags are that you're starting, the emotion starting to climb up the ladder ahead of time. And then once you can do that, you can either like ground yourself in the moment, you could distract yourself in the moment. It depends on the context. If you're at work, you can't really do any processing. So maybe if you're at work or at school, you're gonna wanna distract yourself. Maybe if you're at home and you have some more time, that might be a better time to process. So whether that's journaling or um, art or exercise or finding something uh, to improve the moment for you. Um, so maybe through the use of textures or smells, especially if you are sensitive, that might help a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like just, I don't know, there's just so many different things. But being okay with it, I think is the first thing. Great. Anyone else have any ideas on uh, on things you might do to help kind of uh, yeah. soothe, I guess, the emotions yeah. or or moderate well, them? The word that pops into mind to and it's been mentioned probably every week of this podcast is mindfulness. You're noticing the emotions, the sensations, um, non-judgmentally with curiosity. Um, but I'd like the phrase "calm the body, shift the mind." So. Um, yeah, deep breathing uh, can help. Uh, Brooke mentioned grounding exercises. Sometimes, you know, um, spending some time outside, depending on the context, or or finding ten things in a room that are blue, or whatever your favorite color is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, but I deep breathing helps quite effectively for myself and, and for a lot of people I work with. Great. I just have a quick question. Would you say that would highly sensitive be synonymous right now with people saying that someone is overly emotional or you're so emotional? Would you say that's one and the same? Like if someone is hmm. crying, you know, when they're talking about something that, you know, most wouldn't think about, um, would that be seen as sensitivity? Like, or mm. do you think they, yeah, just, I know, I don't want to go too much off that. Just go down that route, but I'm just curious. I don't, I, you know, of course, I don't know that there's any hard and fast definition for that. But when I think of highly sensitive, I think of someone who's kind of touchy or like, uh, you know, there's, 
they might read into things a little bit like, okay. Okay. And, but, but overly emotional, I would think someone who, you know, instead of being a little bit frustrated, they're enraged. Like, okay. I don't know. That's just the way I, I think about it. Do you guys have a, a different way of thinking about it? Mm, I, I, I get that. I, I would think in the population that I work with, I work with teenagers and young adults and, and, and older, but a lot of them seem to be more like younger adults or teens. And uh, I think the vocabulary that would be used, like it would be synonymous of if you're being referred to as sensitive, that would mean you're being emotionally sensitive. Mm. But I don't think as a therapist that that is, necessarily it i think that you can be sensitive to other things so slight changes in your environment which is what highly sensitive persons is more about like being very sensitive to the needs of others slight shifts in your environment the effects of caffeine um not having enough sleep so me myself i, I believe i'm a highly sensitive person for sure because these little shifts will throw me off and mm. um yeah, I'm very, like, just being attuned to the things in the environment and being aware of something changes or if somebody needs something or being impacted by slight changes in routine or structure, and my whole system will feel off. Um, yeah, so, so I think highly sensitive persons it can be external and internal, but when general populace uses the word sensitive, I assume that they're meaning emotional. Interesting. Brooke, do you think that has anything to do with your uh, your touch issue? Like you're not wanting to be hugged? Like it's it just might. too much? Just a little too much, you know? It might. It might. Like literally when I get uh, – I've only had my nails done. I'm like in my mid-late 30s, and I've had my nails done twice in my life, and my back was sweaty because they like push wow. your cuticles and they like – massage your arms and I was like it was just so uncomfortable yeah. I love the it arm was, massage oh gosh it was awful it was like it was the equivalent of going to the dentist like wow I was just so uncomfortable like physically uncomfortable that's a whole other type of sensitivity I think that's like yeah like there's so many different ways you can go with sensitivity yeah I got my uh, I think it was is a pedicure your toes I got that done one time at a team meeting it was fantastic and uh, they did some some scrubbing and some trimming. Then they did the, asked the if they asked me if I wanted color, and I said absolutely. And I did the Seahawk colors. It's oh, really yeah. nice. Yeah. Way to the go. Opposite, opposite opposite experience than yeah. Than Brooke, apparently, I will donkey kick people if they touch my feet. Oh boy. Like it's just it's a no go. Oh boy. Guys, great job with the topic tonight. A lot of fun to talk about sensitivity. I hope uh, listeners enjoyed some of that as well. We're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, please tell a few people that uh, we exist. We are happy to, uh, to receive any sort of letters, uh, questions, Dear Abby letters, whatever you'd like. Uh, info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, Podbean, or YouTube. Uh, visit us on Facebook or Instagram. And in the spirit of Thanksgiving, we're thankful for our listeners. Thank you, everybody. Do we have a quick 10 seconds? Sure. 
Thank you to the person in Montana who's been very good, or peoples in Montana who have been uh, listening or watching regularly. Yes. Montana. Oh, thank you. Beautiful state. By the way, we're not creeps. We don't have any information other than that we know someone is listening in Montana. So that's about it. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Bye, everyone. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.